Okay, let's talk about candles for a minute. Do you know that almost 2 billion candles are sold globally each year and almost all of them are likely to end up in landfills for the next 1 million years? It's insane. That's why I think it's really cool that Notes candles exist. They're working to eliminate single-use candle vessels and give home fragrance lovers a more earth-friendly option. Notes has created a refillable candle system that allows you to use your candle vessel over and over again. It is super easy. The candles are made with fragranced wax beads, so all you do is place the wick in your reusable notes jar and fill it up with the wax beads and enjoy your fragrance for up to 36 hours. The Santal and Atlas Cedar scent is like this woodsy calming smell. It's so nice. And they have oat milk and balsam berry, vanilla and pepperwood, pistachio and rose water, and a total of 13 really great options to choose from. Be a responsible consumer while not giving up high quality home fragrance by making the switch to notes. You can build your custom starter kit right now at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Right now, notes is giving our friends 15% off and free shipping when you buy a notes starter kit using the code that sounds fun. Just use that code that sounds fun when you're placing your order. That's that sounds fun at notescandle.com slash that sounds fun. Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show in store for you today. I'm also really happy to be in Seattle tonight. We are kicking off the last leg of the That Sounds Fun Coast to Coast Tour. Six cities in the next seven days. I cannot wait. Seattle tonight. Portland, Stockton, California, Inland Empire, California, Phoenix, and Denver. Y'all, we want you there. Grab your tickets at AnnieFDowns.com slash events and meet us there. I'll be the one. You'll you'll notice me. I'm the one smiling ear to ear on the stage because I get to hang out with you. I'm having the best time. Y'all join us. Before we dive into today's conversation, I want to take a moment to share about one of our incredible partners. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. We all know that relationships and friendships in our personal and professional lives take some work, right? A lot of us will go to great lengths to help someone we care about. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but a lot of times we forget to prioritize ourselves. So this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you that you matter like everyone else does, and therapy is a great way to make sure you show up for yourself and other people. My counselor has been so helpful, and I want you to have that as well in your life, and you can find it through BetterHelp. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Give it a try and see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and That Sounds Fun friends get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash that sounds fun. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash that sounds fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with one of all of our favorite people, Bob Goff. So here's some things we know about Bob. He's a Disneyland office resident, recovering lawyer, New York Times bestselling author, nonprofit founder, Mr. Chief Balloon Inflator, a motivational speaker and author of books like Love Does and Everybody Always, honorary consult to Uganda, 
Woo! Founder of Love Does, an international nonprofit that pursues justice for children in high-conflict areas such as Uganda, Somalia, Afghanistan, Nepal, and India. And yes, we talk about Afghanistan. And on March 1st, he released his latest book called Undistracted. In his warm storytelling style, he helps us all know that we can harness today's distractions and find focus, purpose, and joy. I love any chance I get time with Bob, and today is no different. So here's my conversation with one of my dear friends and a man we all love so much, Bob Goff. Bob, welcome back to That Sounds Fun. We're so glad you're here. Yes, I'm loving it. I get to see your face. I wish we were like last time we met at some airport yep. or something. And that, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. We'll, I'll just take it as it come. And then the vid like knocked out all of that. Yeah. And so I'm really anxious to get back together with all my friends. Are you starting to travel at all again yet? I am just a little bit. Yeah. I uh, I made a switch. It was maybe January, two months before Earth threw the sock drawer on the floor. Right. So a couple of years ago, it was, uh, I decided that uh, to make good on what I said. I'd always said that when I'm a grandpa, I'm staying home. Yeah. So on one day uh, in January, a couple months before all this crazy happened, I canceled 90 events. <gasps> I said, I'm out. Uh, so I bought a, a Young Life camp yeah. along with our buddy Miles Adcox. Yes. Uh, we call the Oaks. We It smelled like 400 junior high boys had not bathed in <laughs> half a century. And so we stripped that down to the studs and uh, rebuilt it. We put in a vineyard. Uh, there's oh, 50,000 bottles a year of wine will come out of this. I haven't had my second glass. The first glass didn't go that great. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> But it just seems so biblical. So we right. put in a vineyard, uh, and then we have 27 horses. Yeah, and, uh, and cows, and right? S- Didn't y'all just have a new baby cow? Yes, and fainting goats, <laughs> which are so fun. Oh, Aww. tell me you've watched the YouTube videos of fainting I've goats. I've seen them before. I just don't have any friends who own them except you. Oh, yeah, totally. It's kind of like Sweet Maria when she gets around a lot of people. <laughs> Clap your hands and she tips over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we just put in uh, last Monday and Tuesday a chicken coop. Oh, really? And so I'm learning everything about chickens. This is nicer than the first three apartments I ever lived in. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it's got a cupola, appropriately, yeah. on the coop. I'll have to show you a picture. This is yes. not your mama's chicken yes. coop. Like, this is... Nice. I expect golden eggs. Is the goal to be self-sustaining? I think what we were doing, we've got uh, 1,000 Afghans arriving on next week, I think. (gasps) And so the Afghan community is here and we want to grow food and raise things. We're, uh, We're feeding, I think, 500 families right now with a Love Does truck pulls up every week and I think two or three times a week. And we just uh, do this. So we're just into all kinds of mischief. So we've got this 300-acre playground with 60,000 square feet of buildings. We're like, we're going to use it. Yeah. (laughs) So So the 1,000 Afghans are going to live there? No, no, no. They're just coming up and we're just going to spoil them rotten. I'm hiding the goats. Because goats are actually a delicacy for like, they're like, we can have goats. So we're going to actually raise them, but not name them. Right, right, right. (laughs) I've named mine. You cannot have one that's named. Right. 
That's right. So they're just coming up from all over, from like around the no, country? Just San Diego. Yeah, we got 1,500 Afghan refugees here. And like that whole idea of love your neighbor, yeah. we've got a school in Mazar al-Sharif in Afghanistan. Yeah. Uh, but it turns out we've got 1,500 Afghans right here. So yeah. let's take care of both of them. Like the ones that are there and the ones that are here. Can you tell me, I mean, as much as you want to or as little as you want to, what is happening with your work in Afghanistan now that the Taliban is back in power? Oh, yeah. Well, these Taliban people are so evil. I'm just sure they're going to have to screw them into the ground when they die. Um, But God loves them anyway. And that part, I'm just having so much difficulty reconciling in my mind. But fortunately, it isn't up for me to reconcile it in my mind. It doesn't mean that we check out of that. But I want to check in on Matthew 5 when it says, love your enemy. Um, But it also says in these books to Peter, it says, to make a defense for the hope that's within you. And I know some people that stop there and they want to be Jesus's lawyer. But he said, but to do it with kindness and respect. And so after the Taliban takeover, we went to the new leaders there and said, let our girls go back to school and learn how to read and write. And it was like we did this Jedi thing. Within three weeks, they were back in their chairs. No. Is that amazing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're, that is never going to be on the news, nor do I want it to be. Certainly. Because then they'll shut it down. Right. But I get 250 kids in their wow. chairs, and they have been for, I don't know, two months now? Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to, instead of making a headline, what if you said, I want to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Lose the headline, make the difference. And instead of going to the ends of the earth, what if you go to the end of your street? Mm. Instead of going across an ocean, what if you go across the street? And so we see this opportunity to learn from the Afghan community here like so much. And we're learning so much about hospitality and generosity and all that. I mean, the river is flowing uh, unfairly in our direction from them. I mean, I feel like that's such a thing for us all to learn, even as I'm thinking about your new book, Undistracted, of like, okay, when you stop traveling, your calling didn't stop, your purpose didn't stop. You just went, okay, how about I just do something different in this scenario? I'm just going to build a place where people can come to me and we can do workshops and writing retreats and on-site workshops. (laughs) And so you just said, instead of me going to you, come to me. Yeah, so a lot of people, I totally understand why, uh, that they try to land the plane. They feel this growing urge to do something in their life, they, to connect more with people, to like transition from the marketplace to um, some something else that they think is more lasting. But they'll spend a weird amount of time doing it, and, and which is fine. I mean, whatever blows your hair back, but for me, I went full Cortez. I'm like prone to that is a flaming Enneagram 7. I just burn the ships. Yep. So that would be, oh, the same thing, walking into my own law firm. I don't know how many years, 10 years ago maybe. And I walked out of the, I think, 27th floor of the Washington Mutual Tower. And I walked up the receptionist and she said, who are you here to see? And I said, actually, if you turn around, that would be my name, like right behind you. And I... I realized I had moved on. Yeah. Like I was still flying up to Seattle every day to do law stuff. I just wasn't going to the office to do mm-hmm. law stuff. And mm-hmm. so I just got everybody together and I quit. I said, I'm out. Yeah. Um, I could have spent a number of years trying to land that plane and like, you know, sell it or 
something. I just took the key off my ring. I gave it to a guy who'd been working for me for a decade. And I said, it's all yours. You don't owe me a penny. Uh-uh. <laughs> And he said, are you kidding me? Actually, he didn't say kidding, but that's what he meant. <laughs> and uh, and I've never gone back. I don't wow. even know if it's there anymore. Yeah. I, I, it's not like I don't care about the people. I just have moved on. New day, new Bob. Yeah. And so it's a bad economic decision, but God didn't drop us here on earth for 4,000 weeks on average so we can make good economic decisions. Right. He made us here so we could make a difference, that we would know him, that we would know ourselves, and we give a rip about the people around us. And so for me, it took the Cortez moment, like just burn it down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need to burn down people. Yeah. That makes you an arsonist. Yeah. <laughs> but you can burn down your career. Yeah. Like what you can do is you can burn down some of the impediments that are perceived that are in the way. Mm-hmm. Like I say, perceived impediments, like thinking about this idea of a distraction, like gravity uh, that actually is a thing. Right. But some of the things you're afraid that might happen, disapproval, like whatever, that is a perceived impediment. Mm-hmm. I want to just call it out for what it is. Name yeah. it. Yep. Say that's a perceived impediment. Yeah. And nef- definitely you got to deal with that one. But don't say that ain't gravity. Yeah. Gravity is keeping your feet on the ground. But what's keeping you from actually going forward with your ideas sometimes or some impediments, kind of um, that idea. It's the story you tell yourself. Yeah. Everyone will leave me. That's the story. Little yeah. Bobby Goff came up, eight yeah. years old. I don't know if you came up with some stories. I bet you did. Yeah. To navigate your like life that you didn't have tools for. And then, rule, don't go deep with anybody. Mm. <laughs> Outcome, wow. be funny. Yeah. Just Bob, Bob's the funny guy. Because yeah. if I keep it fun, maybe you can relate to that. Yeah. Keep it fun, then you don't need to go deep. And it isn't like there's a beautiful front side to that wave. It's fun and positive. It's inviting. And all that. Yeah. You just need to think of that that's a really generous, engaging way to be. Yeah. Yet at the same time, if it goes around the bend and you're, you're uh, like Bob the balloon guy, needs to show up on stage or Annie the happy, Yeah. then we become a caricature of who we actually are. Yeah. So like, so it becomes a distraction. So like yeah. that is like, if I'm always Bob the balloon guy, then uh, the fact is I'm not always unicorns, confetti and balloons. Yes. Uh, yes. That I'm actually a really deeply feeling person. I get yeah. sad about stuff. I get punishingly introspective get that, but I just don't work that out in front of everybody. Sometimes that can get in the way of authenticity though. So I think for everybody listening, you just need to figure out like, you know, just figure out your ish. Yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs) Do you know what I'm thinking of, Bob, is when I quit teaching elementary school, I kept my teacher license for six years after I quit teaching. So I would, I want you to talk about distractions like this or things we have in the way like this, because it wasn't actually affecting this job for me to have in my back pocket a teacher certificate. But man, the day I decided not to renew that, I went, well, no parachute now. Like now we're jumping for yeah. real, you know, even though I, no one knew I had test. a teacher certificate. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that that was my burning of my ships is I just didn't yeah. renew my teaching certificate again. And nobody even knew, but I knew that I'd finally made the decision that this was the path I was going down and I didn't have a backup plan that could serve me in August. 
Yeah. So sometimes it's symbolic and sometimes it's actual. Mm-hmm. You actually didn't renew. Uh, it costs a hundred dollars. I don't know how much it costs to get a license to practice law, but a couple bucks in a couple years. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know, maybe five or six states I had a license to practice law in, but it costs a hundred dollars to keep it alive. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just like I was thinking. You know what? I could get like five lattes for that. Yeah. Um, and so. I just didn't renew. And they're like, you get this. Like, if you don't renew, like, you have to go and take the bar exam all over again and all that. And it didn't make what I was doing before uh, not worthwhile. That was old Bob, though. And so sometimes we can over-identify. And I I understand why. If you're writing a book and you're a master at this, you could think about for writers or aspiring writers, think about who you were, who you are, and who you're becoming. Like just think of three sections and you could say who you were, you could say zero to 30. And you could say zero to 60 would be who I am, a guy who's going to turn 63 here in a little bit. Uh, And then who I'm becoming is that other guy. Right? right. So what I'm doing is I'm not spending all of my time and energy on old Bob, lawyer Bob, or writer Bob, or speaker Bob. It's like new Bob. And I'm going to spend a lot more time being him than old Bob who's on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> so, so so when you're writing Undistracted, how did you determine that line of old Bob and new Bob? Did it tell you and that's what made you write the book? Or did you discover it as you were writing? Yeah, what you do, uh, I'm going to teach you, ever flown, it piloted a small plane, in? No, Bob. Because we should definitely do that. <laughs> come on, we should okay, do that. Okay, I'll come out there uh, and we should... can do it sometime, but you. Come on. Especially a seaplane, you take off and land on the water is so Great. awesome. Yeah. Change your life. Or you'll go swimming if you do it wrong. <laughs> but the what they teach you when you're uh, first learning, if you took your first lesson at flight school, you'd go up. The first day, you'd fly. You'd take off. When As soon as you hit about 40 uh-huh. miles an hour, you're up in the air. And you're sitting in the left seat. It's crazy. You should go to your local airport. They'll like hook you with some introductory flight, uh, hoping wow. you'll sign up for something expensive. Right, so right. once you get up in the air, uh, the concept's pretty simple. Don't hit anybody. Don't let anybody hit you. Yeah. So what you do is look through the window in the front, like left to right, right to left. You're scanning the sky. But then a pro tip, what you need to do once you scan everything, left to right, right to left, then take 10% of the sky and take a really hard look at it. Just 10% to say, is there, I'm taking a hard look, not just generally what's going on, that's situational awareness, but to like take 10% of the sky and then move to 10% of the sky. You could do that in your life. You could take everything that starts with an F. 10% of your life, faith, family, finances, fear, uh, Ferrari, if you got one, (laughs) philanthropy, if you can't spell, but like just take (laughs) 10% of your life and take a hard look at it. And uh, I think this idea of writing a book was just me chunking up my life, just taking 10% wow. of the sky and say, let me look at stuff. Like if something was true in my life, maybe to ask myself, is that still true or was it ever true? Yeah. Uh, maybe to say, what's that connected to? Is it kind of like Pinocchio? Everything was connected to something. So yeah. sometimes well, who's got all the strings in your life? Maybe to say, if you had this fear, something happened in your life and you make up a story and it'd be live, living in the back of my car, that you need to just say, where did that come from? What is that connected to? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you can figure out what that's connected to, that's a great practical way to figure out what's been going on in your life. Think of any life hack. Oh, uh, you know the lodge up in Canada? Yeah. 
we got a big freezer up there and we got all kinds of stuff in the freezer. Before we leave, we take a plastic glass and we freeze it and we put a penny on the top of it uh-huh. uh, and then we leave. And if we come back in a week or a month or whatever, we open up the freezer, everything's frozen. We look to see if the penny's at the bottom. Because if the penny's at the bottom and it's frozen, it meant it unfroze right. while we were gone. And so think of this kind of a life hack to say what happened while you weren't looking. Like wow. what happened in my life when I wasn't really looking? And that's this faith uh, journey that uh, if faith is important to some people, no doubt, that are listening to say, hey, what happened to your life when you weren't looking? These are the things that are distracting you. Mm. Like, and I just want to take a deep dive into there to say, hey, if the penny's at the bottom, let's just say, like, what happened? Uh, yeah. And let's just figure it out. And to say, do we need to start over again? Or can we do something with this? So I just want us to slow it down. Some of us are so amped. I mean, you and I both make coffee nervous. We're like, yeah. Ah. It's true. Uh, and to say sometimes that's actually connected yeah. to something, just figure out what it's connected to. A little Bobby Goff, super insecure. You know, older Bobby Goff, um, a little bit less insecure, but uh, more self-aware. Yeah. Like I've displaced my insecurity with a little of awareness, mm-hmm. uh, and that's emerging day by day. But uh, an awareness of what's going on, that I don't need to be Bob the Balloon guy every day. Yeah. I don't need to be on an airplane and in Cincinnati. And that's terrific. But to say, you know what? I'm going to be out at the Oaks, and I'll be tickling grandkids. When I'm not doing that, I'll be down by the chicken coop. Yeah. Or I'll be on the horses. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share with you about one of our incredible partners, Epic Will. One of our very favorite things here at That Sounds Fun is hearing from you and from our guests about the amazing stories God is writing in all of our lives. And not always what we were expecting, not always what we were hoping for, but always stories we can trust Him with. Intentionally building our stories and legacies wisely is one of the ways we follow Him, right? It's why partnering with Epic Will matters so much to me. Epic Will is the easiest and most affordable way I know of to create an estate plan. The expert team at Epic Will has developed an efficient and user-friendly platform that helps you think through things like who you'd like to be your financial power of attorney and who you would trust to care for your children. And in a few simple steps, it also helps you designate who your belongings go to and create your advanced directive so that no one is left making healthcare decisions on your behalf without knowing your wishes. Basically, EpicWill.com empowers you or you and your spouse to make these important decisions, all with the guidance of people who truly know what they are doing. And I love this, but the team at Epic Will is dedicated to caring for single moms and orphans. In fact, they provide single moms with kids under the age of 18 with access to a free will, giving them that security that they're covered and have one less thing to worry about. And they are donating 10% of their proceeds to organizations helping orphans find a home. That's the mission you're helping support when you use Epic Will to create your will. EpicWill.com has built the most comprehensive, self-guided early estate plan for you. In as little as five minutes and for less than you'd spend on a trip to Target, you can create an early estate plan with Epic Will. Go to EpicWill.com and use the promo code TSF20 for 20% off. Again, that's EpicWill.com and use the promo code TSF20 for 20% off. Get the peace of mind that comes with knowing your belongings and your family and your legacy are protected. And now back to our conversation with Bob. I mean, when I'm thinking about the penny at the bottom of the cup, 
I think that analogy is fascinating. I'm curious, what would that look like in our lives on like a Tuesday? Is that a moment where you go, oh, my life is unbalanced? Or is that a certain thing that happens? How do we know if the freezer's frozen and unfrozen and refrozen again in our personal lives? Yeah, like what happened along the way? What I would do is a little bit of an audit. Like uh, you don't want one of those from the IRS, but yeah. you want to constantly do it for yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> for a guy that sends a lot of money to Mogadishu <laughs> and Afghanistan, I get a lot of the first. Yeah. I'm talking about the second. <laughs> They're like, uh, we're checking on Bob Goff again. <laughs> and I'm so glad they do. I want my island to work that way. You got yeah. somebody sending that kind of dough to those places. Like, have your let's way with why. me. Like, yes. I got no secrets. Yep. Like, this is good. Like, yeah. let's do lots of that. Yes. Um, so what I want to do is a little bit of an audit. And uh, if you were doing the Wimbledon finals, yeah. you'd start on the far left column would be everybody, everybody, everybody that has a tennis racket, perhaps. Uh, think of these as an audit of everything going on in your mm -hmm. crazy life. Mm -hmm. uh, everything from why you can't housebreak the dog. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Our dog would walk across three Ikea carpets just to take a dump on a Persian rug. Like, I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> like, this will do. Um, so everything from training the dog to your biggest fear relationally or the biggest letdown or not just a misunderstanding, but something feeling betrayed or something. But let's get it all out on the left column and let's start moving it to the right. Like, say, when you put this against this, what's more important? Wow. When you put this against this, and as you move it to the right, I want us to just deal with what's in the, like, quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Right. I just want to deal with the stuff to the right. right. Everything else, it's good to be self-aware, but you it's not good for that to be a distraction. Yeah. Right. I don't want to just get wrapped around the axle figuring out this dog that I mean, the only thing right. it's missed so far is the lawn. So <laughs> I don't want that to have equal airtime with my sense of purpose and passion. Mm. Faith is important to me. So what am I doing? This Matthew 25, hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, people in jail, James, widows, and orphans. There's eight things right there. That yeah. is a lifetime full of work for an eight-year-old, but it's definitely a lifetime left of work for a 63-year-old. Right. I got a certain number of you know shots on the shot clock. And so I just go like, that's what I'm doing right now. And yeah. so what that meant is when I put that against going to Cincinnati, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like full team Oaks. Yeah. And then I go like, when I put that against tickling grandkids, I'm like, oh, grandkids. Yeah. And when I put the team Oaks against grandkids, oh, grandkids all day long. Yeah. So you say like, it's not that it's good or bad. And some people I know where faith is important to make everything this cosmic battle between good and evil they're just decisions yeah i just they're just distractions and just to say handicap those ponies if you want to use that analogy to say which one's going to long, run longer and faster because here's the thing you know the story about paul revere right yes he's got a message wrote what longfellow wrote a poem right the british are coming yes well actually before the revolutionary war everybody was british <laughs> right good point <laughs> so it'd be like saying you're here right um but Paul Revere had an important message. He needed a fast horse. Here's the crazy part. Paul Revere didn't own a horse. Really? He, he went to a buddy at church. The guy at church had a horse. <laughs> like, and he borrowed his horse. Church. Yeah. He borrowed the, he got a fast horse. And here's the other thing. A Longfellow didn't get it right. But uh, Paul Revere rode with two friends. 
He didn't really? ride alone. I didn't know he that. He was on the way to Concord to tell Samuel Adams, not the beer, the guy, uh-huh. uh, to tell Samuel Adams that there's some, they were called British regulars. But it didn't make for a good poem, so they called yeah. it The British Are Coming. Yeah. Um, so what I want us to do, put aside all the poetry and all the spin and what makes for a great story, and to say what actually happened. Yeah. And what we have, each of us, is an important message. Just got to figure out what it is, yeah. and it might be several. Uh, and you need a fast horse to get there and a couple friends to ride with. Yeah. And I would say everything else is a distraction. You wow. move that to the right in your life, you got an awesome life. Okay. You got to have your message, your horse, and your friends. This is it. Like what I want us to do, the message would be like, what's God putting a squeeze on you? What's got you? I learned something about anacondas this week that you need to know. Anacondas are 25 feet long and yes. three feet around. Terrible. Is that crazy? Yes, That's a big snake. It's terrifying. In, in my book, I have, I'm showing you a book of phobias. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. It's a pop-up book. It's like all of my biggest fears. Like mine is not public speaking, but if yours was like like oh, spiders, spiders or something, that's a it's big got this spider. pop-up book of spiders. So the thing about anacondas is this. When they wrap around you, you only have a minute before <gasps> they squeeze the life right out of you. Oh, my gosh. But you know what anacondas are susceptible to? Alcohol. Uh-huh. Is that crazy? <laughs> One drop of alcohol on its nose, you'll be great. Here's the problem. You probably won't have a bottle of Maker's Mark right. uh, with you, or maybe, who knows. But uh, And if you did, it'd probably be squeezed on your sides. <laughs> but what I want to do is find what are the things that are distracting me the most and to say, what are they most susceptible to? Like, I want to find out what the lies that are driving your life are most susceptible to, and they're susceptible to truth and obedience, Yes. Like if we could just put a drop of truth and obedience on that, yeah. not just say, well, that ain't true. And that's your antidote. No, no, no. Let's take a little bit deeper to say, Bobby, you won't be rejected. And yeah. if you are, Jesus doesn't. Like yeah. we're just in obedience to say that you, it's easy to read, you know, or see somebody like a needle point in, be anxious for nothing, but to just <laughs> say, let's figure out what it is that you're anxious about. What's far left in Wimbledon here yeah. on the long list of everything, call it out and then say, I'm going to exercise a little obedience over that thing. I'm just not going to give it as many spins as I have. And does that directly connect it- with your message with your life? My often I find that, yeah, that that thing is also the thing that I probably should be talking about more. Yes, totally. And it's if your deal is fear of rejection, to get real with that can feel really vulnerable because it is really vulnerable. It's like a fear factor for some of you, (laughs) like going back to like whatever your biggest concern is. And I'm not just saying face it alone. I'm saying face it with your faith. Like to actually, let's turn towards it. Facing it actually means something. Like to actually face it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Instead of like turning around Mm -hmm. and like the opposite of the voice where all the chairs are turned around. Like to actually face it and to say, this is what it is. Uh, And then to bring a little bit of action, not just as Galatians 5, 6, it says like that the only thing that counts is your faith expressed in love. So yeah. if you're listening and faith guides your steps, um, just like to express it in love. Did you know this thing? I love looking up for idioms, uh-huh. um, like uh, like where a saying came from, like cut to the chase. Yeah. That means like, you know, like, hey, kind of get what's up, like just get to it. But it comes from Hollywood during the silent movies. It's because they, they, Charlie Chaplin's just spinning his cane, so they would always have a chase scene. 
Yeah. And that's how people would like understand what the movie was about. I'm like, well, that'll preach. Yeah, I've like, never known that's what that part- meant. It changes how you think about that whole idiom. Get to, to how something happens. Yeah. Like, get to the part in your faith. Like, cut to the chase means, like, get to the do part. And the crazy part is, some of us are so busy doing, helping baby Jesus out. <laughs> I mean, read Revelations. He's out of the crib. <laughs> what I want to do is just, like, get to, like, why am I doing what I'm doing? Yes. So if we can kind of figure out that, then you'll, like, figure out what's distracted you yeah. from getting there. Just get real. Don't say the way you wish it was. Just say, like, this is what's been really happening that I'm actually looking for approval or I'm looking for permission mm-hmm. for something in the truth, a drop of alcohol in the nose of that squeezer is that to say, I already have God's approval. Mm-hmm. I already have permission. Now you don't have permission to knock off a liquor store, but you actually have uh, permission to knock off some habits that aren't helping you. Yeah. Um, and so I want to go like, Let's figure that out yeah. and go to school on it. So what's your horse? Is the Oaks your horse? What's the thing? Yeah, that that's my from- fast pony. Okay. Yeah, that's my fast pony. I'm going to spend my waning days doing that. I hope I, I, I'm aiming for outliving everybody. Yeah. Um, but but during whatever period of time I have. Yeah. Um, and I want to live like I have the same hope that you probably have. We uh, actually, I'm, I'm learning about being a rancher. I'm like, it's hardly Yellowstone out there, but I'm like learning a little. <laughs> I hope, but listen, if you get a rip, if you get a single guy named Rip that comes and works for you, call me, Bob. Don't send in your way. Please. Hey, we have a new, we have a new intern. Yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> she just showed up. <laughs> oh, who knew? Um we have this cow, and it probably weighs 700 pounds. It was oh my, my favorite cow. It has bangs. It's one of those fuzzy cows. Yeah. And and the vet came out and said, your cow's really sick. And I'm oh, like, no. he said, it has pneumonia. I'm like, how do you get pneumonia? It like dips down to like 70 here <laughs> in San Diego. But uh, it got really sick. And I went, I rushed out the next morning. And I, it was like kind of over on its side, which isn't the way you're supposed to be. And I put its big head in my lap. And I'm like trying to like say nice things yeah. to it and and it breathed its last it like died in my lap uh, uh. head horns the whole thing and i'm emotionally incontinent i mean just i was just gutted sure. by this and i'm just weeping with this dead cow and there was a really nice guy over at the barn and he came out and he said bob can i give your cow cpr you know, it was like, clearly it was elsewhere, but I mean, it was just such a nice thing to offer. And I don't even know where the heart was. And he weighs like 60 pounds. And I'm like, I don't, but that was just such a generous thing. So we made a big hole. We have an excavator. We yeah. put this cow in there. It was just like so gutted by the whole thing. And uh, I remember there was a, a little girl that's out there. And I told her, you know, the cows, you know, in heaven with Jesus now. I don't know if right. I got the theology right, but like sue know. me. Yeah. Like I just and uh and she like she paused at the side of this. She said, That was a good cow. Oh. And uh I checked back in her that later in the afternoon because I want to make sure she was doing okay. And I said, like, uh, you know, are you okay? And she's like, Yeah, doing great. And I realized she was over it. And in that moment, Annie, I realized I'm the cow. Like <laughs> I'm going to have this period of time I'm here and then there'll be a period of time that I'm not, which will be a little bit longer. (laughs) And then people will think of me and I'm just so down with having him say he was a good cow. Yeah. Like he was just like, 
and uh, that's why I write books. I don't know. Yeah. I imagine you want to leave this legacy behind. I'm going to yeah. end up in a jar someday, and I just want something leaning up against the jar. Yeah. Like, this is what I thought for my kids, 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 yes. kids. Yes. So, I don't know. What do you Do you think about that when you take to writing, like, why you're doing what you're doing? To say, what is that connected to? Tell us. Like, how come? Yeah, that was my very first book. I remember thinking, I at least want to have something that my kids and my grandkids can read that was my... Because I would I would give anything to have an audio recording of my grandparents or a book from them. Just story. There's so go. many stories I don't know. And, and in fact, even at Christmas, Bob, my one of my cousins sat down and asked my parents a question I've never asked them. And I'm listening to them answer. And I'm like, this is something I've never known about my parents. And it's just because someone got curious in my presence and asked them. And I thought, wow, I wish that was true with my grandparents. So I'm like, I write books for anyone who wants to read, but I really write books for the people who are here when I'm dead. Yeah. So we, what happens sometimes, if you want to, for people that want to be authors, but you haven't authed yet, yeah. that isn't a word, but <laughs> you, you, you. Just collect the story. Start with yeah. your own family. Yes. Do you know my, uh, it was my great-grandfather. He got hit crossing a railroad track by a train. <gasps> and what are the chances? They put him in a wheelbarrow, brought him to the house, dumped him on the front porch, and then walked away. They woke <gasps> up in the morning. There he is. And just whatever. That was him. That was the story. Well, there was this crooked guy uh, a number of years ago that did something awful to a bunch of people and stole a bunch of money. And I was a lawyer at the time. I'm yeah. like, oh, evil will not prosper here. Right. So he changed his name, tried to disappear. He went missing and all that. And I'm like, I'm going to find you. It might take a minute, but I'm going to find you. <laughs> his wife accidentally subscribed to a magazine under their old name. I found them in this particular Bob. city, in this particular state, under an assumed name. I sent him a subpoena, and we sat down for a deposition. <laughs> and I knew he was a slippery guy, so I thought, well, I need to find out. We need to climb around on the family tree here a little bit yeah. to find out who begat whom. Right. And uh, so we're asking, I'm asking these questions as we got a little higher in the tree. He started saying these names that sounded kind of familiar. And the more I asked, the more familiar they got. Get this. He's my cousin. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have a crook in the family tree. So anyway, <laughs> so here's the deal. I When the deposition was over and I told him this is going to make dinner awkward, but your right. wife subscribed to this thing. Yeah, I found you. So I said, hey, but now that we're friends, like we should, <laughs> yeah. I can imagine our family reunions are going to be a little stressed now, <laughs> but I said, tell me about my great-grandfather, because I heard he got hit by a train, and yeah. he laughed. Oh, my gosh, you're so gullible. He didn't get hit by a train. He ran out on the family. <gasps> uh, I think awful things run in my family, evidently. <gasps> and so what they did is they came up with a story. They made it all up. He got hit by a train. They put him in a wheelbarrow. They threw it on the porch and all that. When wow. he, They didn't know what to do with the shame and embarrassment and all that around them, the, like, anger yeah. surrounding that. So they just came up with a story that lived on for generations. Wow. I was evidence of that because yes. I had told my kids that well, you actually had a great, great grandfather that was hit by a train. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to you not to be, well, let it be a lesson to us to figure out what the stories we made up to yeah. deal with what we couldn't find yes. a handle to deal with. Yes. If you've seen somebody walk uh, down the street, clearly a tourist, and they've got a big piece of luggage, 
but the handle is broken. So they have to put their arms around it and carry it like on their chest. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is your story without a handle. Wow. Like take something that happened. And I guess what I'm saying is the things that are distracting us, we just need to get some handles on them. Yeah. So we don't like when you and I meet, if I've got a big duffel bag in between me and you, it's like, you're not going to be me. You're going to meet the duffel bag. Yes. And so in the same way, like if you yeah. want to meet real Annie, you need to find Annie who's got a handle on some yeah. of, not have fixed it all, but to just little instead of meeting insecure Bobby Goff, the balloon guy, yeah. like the, just me who I, I've got a handle on that. And yeah. so have a couple of friends that you can say, can you kind of talk me off the ledge when I go full balloon boy? Yeah. Just say like, you don't need to do that. <laughs> we, we just had Jim Cress on for Valentine's day. And, oh, what a great guy. Right. Just the best. And he talked Come a on. lot about that, about really the way to be a healthy partner is to be a healthy person. And so will you talk a little bit about like setting those bags down? I mean, is that counseling to you? Is that on-site to you? Is that friendship to you? Where do we find the people that help us get that bag out of the way from between us in relationship? Yeah, you could find any analogy that uh, fits. You could talk about anacondas or bags or whatever. I'm more of a analogy person, yeah. but find the cheapest version of that is called Starbucks. <laughs> Make whoever takes you there pay. Yeah. Um, and then just say, let's have three minutes of authenticity. Wow. Let's just talk for three minutes. I'm not going to try to shade it. I'm not putting a happy face on it. I'm not doing any of that. I'm just going to say, I'm not going to try to resolve it. That's what makes for hokey Christian movies wow. where they try to resolve everything yeah. that Jesus appears in the tree at the end. I'd be yeah. like, really? Yeah. Like it was just so believable until then. So find something relatable yeah. that say something important, find a new camera angle and don't resolve it. That's how I write every book. <laughs> relatable, important, new camera angle, don't resolve it. So if wow. I were telling a story about rafting on the Nile with my son getting stuck in an eddy, when he fell out, we were stuck in the eddy. Then I would talk about being stuck in the eddy in your life and what happens and all that. I would just never have him climb back in the boat. People <laughs> it just won't made everybody know wonder why in alligator infested waters, you don't have to draw attention to it. Just don't resolve it. Yeah. And people, that's why you watch the next series of whatever, because yeah. there's something inside you that's looking for some conclusion. So if we give hokey Christian answers to some of life's most vexing questions, that becomes a distraction because yeah. you feel like you need to have something. My life was all messed up and then now it's all awesome and all you need is Jesus. And so what are you waiting for? Right. That is, is hokey. It's yeah. unbelievable. But to just talk about, I was walking down the street <laughs> with my bag when an anaconda. <laughs> oh, I, <laughs> I find something super relatable. Like yeah. just don't talk about opening up the shuttle doors on the space craft and doing your spacewalks. Talk about opening your front door wow. and entering into the world. Yeah. That kind of relatability. And I think when we can lose the big fanciful arguments, figure out where the myths were about who left who and why, and just get back to say, you know, there's a couple things I'm certain about, and there's a bunch of stuff I'm just guessing about. Yeah. So if we could just get back to that, that would be, we'd move out the distractions about how people perceive Annie Downs, how people perceive Bob Goff, and just get to the way it really is, how they perceive you who are listening. Yeah. And to say, this is a perception, this is the reality. 
Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one last time to tell you about one of our incredible partners, ZocDoc. There are some amazing doctors out there, but the ones you really need to know about are the ones who actually take your insurance, right? Well, with ZocDoc, you can focus on doctors who are in-network, putting you on the path to see the doctors who truly are right for you. No more wasting time hunting down recommendations from family or friends that end up being out of your network anyway. ZocDoc is a free app that shows you doctors who are patient-reviewed, take your insurance, and are available when you need them. You can read up on local doctors, get verified patient reviews, and see what other real humans had to say about their visit. So when you walk into that doctor's office, you're set up to see someone in your network who gets you. So go to ZocDoc.com and choose a time slot and whether you want to see the doctor in person or do a video visit. And just like that, you're booked. Y'all, ZocDoc makes it so easy. Find the doctor that's right for you and book an appointment that works for your schedule. Every month, millions of people use ZocDoc, and I'm one of them. It's my go-to whenever I need to find and book a doctor. In the chaotic world of healthcare in the U.S., let ZocDoc be your trusted guide to find a quality doctor in a way that is surprisingly pain-free. Away with the chaos, you guys. So go to ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then start your search for a top-rated doctor today. Many are available within 24 hours. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash that sounds fun. ZocDoc.com slash that sounds fun. And now back to finish up our conversation with Bob. How does that play out? Like, we you know, right when we got on, you'd had a whole bunch of phone calls already today because you put your phone number very kindly <laughs> in your books. I mean, how does that play out when, because that's what people are looking for when they're calling you. What they actually want is connection more than they want anything else would be my guess. Totally. And then they'll go about it. Sometimes people that are good at people skills, you'd be one of them, but you just know you're good at that. You're good at reading the room, but other people are still emerging. There was a woman that called about a week and a half ago and she said, hello, is this Bob? I'm like, yeah, Bob here. And she said, the devil's in my bathroom. (laughs) Bob. (laughs) I have, I've had teenage boys too. (laughs) I was thinking number one or number two, just guessing. Um, So... uh, So I asked her, uh, who's your best friend? And she said, Mary. And I'm like, that's terrific. What if you call Mary up and have her come over? Because it's just actually, it would be smart to have a really good friend around to talk about what your perceptions are, whether they're real or imagined, but whatever, no judgment in that. But if we could say to some of the things that are going on around us, even injustices, that's Romans 12 to say, so long it's within your power to live at peace with people around you. And I think there's some people, you're one of them. They're just really nice. And so, you know, you're not out there picking fights with people, are you? No, not if I can help it. Have I just missed all those, like, drunk... Drunk no. tweets or something? No, I will like, chirp back but, every now and again, but I try to only do that very rarely. <laughs> but no, I'm not. Yeah, so I'm not trying. I got, I'm got. i a trial lawyer. I've got an yeah. opinion about everything, yeah. but I just keep it in the thought bubble. Really? I don't let it get out of the thought bubble. Yeah. What I'm working on right now is trying to keep it out of the thought bubble. Just not even have it. Yeah, I'm just trying to just, if I can live at peace, I'm good. And that's not going light on doctrine. That's going big on Jesus. 
right. to say, is there a way that I could bring, could I bring the temperature down a notch or two yeah. in this room right now in yeah. the conversation? And if it's a really loud room and the only way to be heard is to shout, I ain't doing it. Right. And I'm not, I'm so glad that there's a lot of people shouting. That's why it's really loud. But yeah. I don't feel like I need to contribute in that way. I'm What I'm going to bring is peace. Uh, to something, I'm going to be Switzerland. If it wouldn't be disrespectful, I'd make a shirt out of their flag. <laughs> I, just give me a bar of chocolate and a yeah. bobsled. Yes. I just want to bring the person that brings some peace. So that will be my offering. Yeah. And it's because I'm trying to be obedient mm -hmm. to that. Um, because I can think of all the stuff. I've never lost a case. 32 years. Wow. And I've just, and it's not because I'm a good lawyer. I'm a good picker. Mm. I'm not, I'm just not picking cases that get lost. And if you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, you can engage the largest social issue of the days by the way that I react to them individually, right. not about the way that I shout about them corporately. Right. And I'm not throwing, I'm so glad that there's clarion loud voices on those. And there are so many that it just, most of those don't require me. Yes. But it does require my obedience and my right. like, actually do, I need to cut to the chase. I need right. to actually do something about that yeah. in my life right now. I learn a lot from you in this because we're built a lot the same in that I don't take loud public stances on things because I want everyone to feel like we're friends. And I want them to feel like they can come over here, wherever the here is, even if we don't agree on something. And so when I get pushed about a topic, my usual response is, what does it say about you and me if you and I disagree? What does it say about our friendship? If we, Before I even tell you what I think, because if we disagree on this and that's going to make you walk, then there's eight other things we're probably going to disagree on before it's all said and done. So you might as well go because yeah. we don't agree on everything. But yeah. But how do you manage the this is like a very personal question for me. So if you don't want to answer, you don't have to, but how do you manage the accusations of being lukewarm or the accusations of not standing for truth when the choice has been I am standing for truth. I'm just not yelling. Oh, yeah. Somebody asked me uh, uh, with every book that I write, because I don't write books with Bible verses in them. Right. Because I'm not writing it for the guy in row three at the church. Right. I'm writing for, for the guy that's at the tire store, the yeah. guy that's church yeah. adjacent. Yes. Right. And so somebody said, like, uh, are you watering down the gospel again? Right. I'm like, oh, I hope so. Like, I just want to make it for thirsty people. Yeah. I would hang a salt lick at the end of every pew if I could. Yeah. I want people who are actually thirsty for some of the answers to life's most difficult questions. And they want to hear it from somebody who's thirsty for the answers. Yeah. Uh, not the person that thinks they're a professor and starts professing everything, but somebody that thinks they're a student and is trying to learn yeah. and just kind of reporting the news. Like, gosh, this is what I experienced and... Um, so this whole idea of being misunderstood, I mean, like, they killed Jesus. What's a bad day for you? You're right. You're like, right. I just say, like, yeah. So I expect misunderstanding, but I assume friendship. And so, and then if that isn't returned, if I assume friendship and they're, like, more, like, I'm not, I think I'm an acquired taste. Yeah, same. <laughs> so Me too. If they're like, oh, yeah, good luck with that, then I'm like, I don't assume bad motives. I don't. Uh, old Bob would have assumed rejection just happened. Yeah. And I think it might be just good judgment just happened on their part. <laughs> yeah. Like, I just say, like, that this, I'm, I'm not the right fit for their life circumstances right now, which is awesome and understandable and to be applauded. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, and it, it isn't, doesn't born out of arrogance, but it's kind of like a right-sized humility 
to yeah. just say, I recognize that we won't be for everybody and there'll some, be some people we don't understand and don't, but I want to get back to our idea of cutting to the chase. Yeah. There's a guy who I think is in or both of our orbits that started this great big movement. And uh, he was pretty much everything I'm not. He's vulgar and in everybody's grill about everything. And I was like, I would read what he'd write and I'd just roll my eyes. And yeah. uh, he ended up in the newspaper over something. And I knew somebody who had his phone number. So I called him up. Yeah. I said, hey, it's Bob Goff here. He said, like, Bob who? Ah. <laughs> like, I get that all the time. He said, I had heard about this thing I read about. I just wanted to say that I'm really sorry. That's got to be really stressful. And in a moment of authenticity, he said, you know, uh, what most people don't know, I've gotten three death threats this week. I need to move. I got to move my family. My mom lives with us or wife's mom, our kids. And I, and then I said, Hey, could I help you move? And he said, well, tomorrow. And so I got, (laughs) I took an all nighter from San Diego to where he was. I showed up at his address and there was a box uh, just inside his door. And it said China. I was assuming plates, not the country. And so I picked up this box, the bottom (gasps) falls out. I break every plate he owns. I have known this guy for (laughs) one minute and he is the most vulgar seemingly antagonistic person I've ever met. And so there we are. I came to help. You know that book, When Helping Hurts? Yes. I was that book. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And he he looked at me with my empty box and he said, rookie move. And he moved on. Uh -uh. And I'm like, it started this friendship of ours that's lasted for years. And it was all because I cut to the chase. And because I cut to the chase, I found out he was a really forgiving guy. Yeah. He was, I had him all wrong. Now he is still vulgar mm-hmm. and he's still a loud voice on some very important issues. But you know what? We're able to be friends, even though we're so different. And it wasn't because I was the hero of the story. Yeah. I'm not. I was the guy that screwed it up. <laughs> he was the hero because he was just kind to of a guy who totally blew it within a minute of meeting. Yeah. He could have said, hit the road, buddy. Like, yeah. dude, no brains, no headache. But instead, he was just kind to me. And what I want to do is to just find people like that. And more important than finding them, I want to be that guy. Right. And, and that sometimes is hard when you're right. Right. And for a guy who's right for a living, like yeah. that's hard because I'm right. Yeah. I, I'm paid to be right. Right. I'm like always right. Even when I'm wrong, I think I'm right. <laughs> and so what I'm trying to do is just, what's that saying? There's two types of people, humble people and people who are about to be. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's exactly right. I just want to be like, just beat that to the finish line. Just yeah. beat humble to the finish line. Just get there first. Beat humble to the finish line. Man, and I wrote down, expect misunderstanding, assume friendship. That is yeah. really helpful for me, Bob. That is really helpful because misunderstanding hurts my feeling. You could say terrible things about me and I'm going to be like, you're having a bad day. It's fine. Like I can I can forgive more quickly the people who drop the china than the people who misunderstand. Yeah, because somehow it seems intentional. It seems like there's a barb hook to that when it ri- might be just somebody that's been terribly distracted by some things and you if it's that again that disproportionate reaction they aren't reacting to what happened you just said they're reacting to their entire life and balloon boy just walked in the room and be like enough with that and so they say something 
untoward. And instead of getting all butthurt about it, why not just realize there's a context for everything yeah. and their context is clearly different than yours right now, but yeah. it doesn't mean there's is a lesser version, but there's is a more vocal version yeah. of it than mine. Yeah. But I'm just like trying to, it's not a higher level uh, of understanding of a reach, but maybe a deeper level for myself yeah. of what's going on in me, like, and why I would take such great umbrage at whatever they've done, like, you know, yes. that, that thing to just say, like, when you've been wronged, and I'm, I'm pretty, got a big justice court in there. I mean, I tried death penalty cases. Right, right. <laughs> for Pete's sakes, against witch doctors. So, like, I got one of those, I got gears, but it doesn't mean that I'm even an enemy with a guy that's on death row. Yeah. That it means that I've got another guy I'm learning and there's consequences, but one of the consequences isn't that you're removed from me. Yeah. You may be removed from society. Yeah. Well, even these guys at San Quentin, uh, we get a chance to go up there about every three weeks. Yeah. And there's a guy that plays or used to play professional ball, semi-pro ball, and uh, he asked if I had pitched batting practice. And, and I'm like, awesome. I haven't thrown a ball since high school. I wasn't any good then. And so I got up on the mound in the yard at San Quentin, and I threw the ball, and it kind of went generally in the direction of the plate, and he just crushed it. It was like a jailbreak. It was just, and he's still going. And then I threw the next ball, and he crushed that one. And then, Annie, you know what he did? He crowded the plate. Uh -uh. And that just pissed me off. And I so you know what I decided? I'm going to brush him back. Uh -uh. And I wound up. I threw the ball as hard as I could, hit him right in the uh-uh. I'm like, <laughs> pro tip, do not hit a guy who's in for murder right. in the head with a baseball if he's w holding a metal bat. Uh, and and so we had a conversation. Like, he had to decide if he's going to charge the mound. Yeah. I had to decide if I was going to run away like a little girl. And, and I decided I was. Um, but I think if we could figure out... Like, why are we doing, why did it irritate me that he crowded the plate? Yeah. I mean, it was his plate. He's the guy. He owns the place. Yeah. So if we could just figure out, it's just another way of saying, what's that connected to? Yeah. Take the thing that just pressed your button. Brene Brown famously saying, the people who press your buttons know where they are because they installed them. Mm. Like, to just understand, like... Why am I freaking out right now if, if it's finances or fiancés, like whatever yeah, it is, yeah. but what is it that's going on? What's that connected to? And then if faith guides your step to bring that to Jesus, to yeah. say, I actually have a, a right-sized understanding. There's still parts on the periphery I don't get, but the core thing is this. Instead of saying, hey, I'm anxious, and you said, don't be anxious, and so make me not anxious. I'm like, make these requests known. But if you don't know what you're requesting, you can't make it known. So yeah. do the work, Do uh, find smart people like you and Jim, just uh, be exposed to new ideas, do the heavy lifting, bend from your knees. Yeah. <laughs> It'll work the best. Yeah. And then to, from a really humble place to just say, hey, how can I show up a little bit more authentically yeah. in this? And if I'm not showing up authentically, I'm balloon boy Bob today, yeah. then to say, I wonder what's going on. I wonder what kind of insecurity is making me do that. Yeah. And it's just a fair conversation to have. Yeah. I'll tell you, for the next generation, for everybody around you, dealing with all of your like weird picadillos, thank you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Just right. do that because you're whacking out. You're becoming a really big distraction to some people around you mm -hmm. as you're ricocheting off the walls, figuring out who you are and why you're doing what you're doing. So just think of it as a an offering to the community of friends yeah. that God gave you yeah. that just figure out some of your stuff. Yeah, that's beautiful. Bob, thank you for your time. We are 
you, we have used plenty of your time, but we do have one final question. If you have one more minute, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what you do for fun. Oh, you know what? I'm learning how to gallop. Oh uh, yeah, knew, you are your yeah, you I, are Yellowstone out there, Bob. You are I, John Dutton. Yeah. Yeah, give me the brand. Like, they'll just have a big happy <laughs> oh, family. Right. Mickey Mouse ears or something. The Oaks. Yeah, two Mickey Mouse ears. With yeah. Oaks. yeah. So I learned how to saunter. I think yeah. there's another word for that. That's just like nothing's moving. And then there's the trot. That, yeah. That's like me jiggling. I'm still jiggling from the last time that yes. happened. But as soon as you get to the gallop, your butt isn't getting kicked as much. Like really? you're just actually in the stride. Yeah, because you're not going like... You're actually galloping it's like the difference you know that like right. so i'm trying to learn how to gallop and uh and i'm not quite there yet but i know what i want and i'm finding somebody who knows how to gallop yeah and so you could see the similarities like you want to move like for find somebody who's good at it they're, yeah. they're better at whatever it is that you can't do yet do y'all have big long stretches of land where you can just i mean you're, you're gonna get to just gallop for miles or something Oh, yeah, yeah. No, really. Oh. It's 300 acres. Oh. Yeah. It isn't Texas. It's <laughs> but, close. But it's a pretty, for South for Southern California, It's a, that's a chunk of property. Yeah. And it's really been fun. What we do is we take friends. I'll take you out. Yeah. Uh, we put them on horses and we go up and round up the cattle. It's like, oh. you know, like mini city slickers. I'll tell you a secret, though. There was a mutual friend of ours that came out with her husband and uh, they got on that uh, horse and said, let's get the cattle. And I said, now, now get the ropes out and swim over your head and say yeehaw or something and uh, what i did i told the ranch hand that when you see a bunch of people with ropes over their head just big up a, a put 50 pounds of hay out <laughs> and the cows will see it and they'll yes. start heading for the hay yes. <laughs> well they thought they were the yes. cat's pajamas. <laughs> they were really good at this. And sometimes there can be two things that are true at the same time. Yeah. That they were actually pretty good at this. And somebody put the hay out. And, put um, out. and so I just kind of engineer this kind of love and acceptance. Put the yeah. hay out. Let people know why you're doing what you're doing. Let yourself know why you're doing. Yeah. But there's something kind of beautiful that you can do both. Yeah. Like it's planned spontaneity. <laughs> <laughs> My goal in 2022 is to see the Oaks. So I'm going to come this year. Come on. I want to see it so Get an open much. invitation. Well, thank you. You are my guest. I, I You can't say wait. when, we will have the key under the mat. Oh, they, listen, I've still got a key to one of your houses that Maria mailed everybody. Yes, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, I mean, it, I'll tell you what, that is such a little interesting thing to do that meant the most to all of us. And I was like, I've kept it. Oh. I mean, I moved houses and I know exactly where the key to y'all's house is. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's oh, awesome. Uh, Bob, thanks for doing this today. I'm so grateful. Oh, what a treat. Blessings on you. Thank you. Oh, you guys, don't you love him? My gracious. Hey, listen, be sure to grab your copy of Undistracted and follow Bob on social media so you can tell him thanks for being on the show. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Literally embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and up and down the West Coast this week. Ah, I'm so excited, you guys. Please tell me you'll be there. Just let's all be there together. Okay. All the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out, come to a live show, or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you. I will do the same. And today, what sounds fun to me we are in Seattle, and I have got to get some chai. I know you thought I'd say coffee, but I don't drink it. I'm going to get some chai while we are here. 
Speaking of, on my Instagram, every city we're going to, we're asking for your recommendations of the best local places. So make sure you check out my Instagram highlights. And if you're coming to a show, you'll see where the best local places are to try. And if you live there, tell me where we've got a seat. Y'all have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday with the songwriter and singer of so many of the songs that make us smile and sing along, my dear friend, Ben Rector. Y'all, you're going to love this one. We'll see you back here on Monday. Call to your home.